In this episode of Passion for Impact, I'm speaking with Candice Giesbrecht. Now, Candice is the director of the Remote Performance Academy with Teamit.com. Teamit is the leader in modern talent strategy, helping growth-focused companies to recruit, to cultivate, and sustain high-performing remote teams. This infectiously charismatic human is a remote leader performance coach, an ambassador and activator for mentally healthy workplaces. Plus, she is a rock your leadership facilitator, sharing her expertise in the remote work module. Obviously, since she's included as one of the Rock Your Leadership trainers, I am biased, but over the years, I have come to know Candace to be so incredibly consistent in her passion for making impact and her genuine nature that is as delightful as it is inspiring. I asked Candace to be on the show to share her insights and some tools for all of us to be more effective, productive, and impactful leaders as we engage team members who are working in a remote or hybrid setting. I am curious about trends on return to work or, you know, that's probably not the best way to say it, returning to the office and some best practices for valuing and leading the people who mean so much to us as leaders, HR professionals, and CEOs. So are you ready to take some notes and elevate your leadership and impact? Here we go. This is the Passion for Impact podcast with speaker, trainer, and socially conscious advocate, Tricia Miltimore. Thank you for joining in. This is the Passion for Impact podcast, where we have one clear goal to educate, empower, and elevate social consciousness in people, business, and teams. Passion for Impact is brought to you by Rock Your Leadership, a customized module-based leadership training program for social enterprise companies and leaders. We train impact leaders on how to grow success, drive change, and not burn out. Visit passionigniter.ca forward slash rock your leadership for more details. Okay, today's show is all about people empowerment, healthy, safe workplaces, leadership, and yeah, some fun. Candice from teamit.com is here, so fun will be had. No pressure, Candice. And I know you will leave this episode with practical tools to be a better leader and a person Again, no pressure. Okay, let's jump right in. Welcome to the show, Candace. I am thrilled to finally have you on as a guest. Thanks for being here. I am thrilled to be here. Thanks so much, Trisha. You know, one of the things that I love so much about you is your infectious personality. Uh, I mentioned it like the very beginning about how um, you're just, you're so genuine. You show up all the time in the same way. And I think it's just so refreshing and you're, it's palpable, like your actual uh, drive to make impact in organizations. And it's, it's inspiring to me. Obviously, I'm all about that kind of stuff, but How did you get into the industry of empowering teams and specifically remote work? Curious about that. Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) gosh, I got to figure out a shorter way to say it. I'll do my best. Um, So, and by the way, Trisha, the, the feelings are absolutely mutual. I know Mm -hmm. when, when we get the chance to, to chat, like it's, it's meaningful because we, we connect at a, at a values level. Mm-hmm, and absolutely. so, yeah. And so, um, you know, just the, the short ish version of, of my bio is I started as a social worker and not by choice found myself in an HR role. I had about a hundred staff 
um, in a healthcare job with a, a nonprofit, and they unionized. <laughs> and so I went from, you know, being as client centered as I wanted to be and needed to be to managing the needs of, um, of my staff and people. And, and what I quickly saw was that there was this whole part of the responsibilities of my job that looked at like, you know, the people that we need in order to do the work and just the the time that it took to do that within a unionized setting. But trying to balance that while also making sure that our values are loud and clear and that we don't lose sight of our values as we're as we're caring for people. And, you know, I couldn't unknow what what I learned about both those pieces. And and so as I continued in my career, senior leadership, uh, you know, in a in a few different sectors for-profit and not-for-profit. I seem to be the one who was sort of raising my hand going, can we do better for our people? And and uh, for um, the time that I was at the Canadian Mental Health Association and responsible for, for their workplace mental health strategies, became quite passionate about the business case for us caring for our people. Mm-hmm. And at the time that we were that we were doing that, it, you know, mental health was not on the radar at all to the extent that it is now. But I carry that with me. I carry the knowledge with me, the knowledge because it's grounded in research of uh, the the critical impact that caring for our people and attending to their needs can have for our businesses' bottom lines. And I think that is so key because, you know, working with different companies and organizations, the, the number one question I get, well, what is my ROI on this? Yeah, you know, there's some really interesting research that an author, and I just recommend this, uh, Dr. Karen Lojeski, L-O-J-E-S-K-I. Mm-hmm. And she did some very interesting research that was looking at the impact of distance on productivity and happiness for employees. And in her research, what she learned is that, first of all, there's more than one kind of distance. And so, you know, when I say distance, you know, or when I think distance, so often I think about physical distance. So, you know, if we're working in different cities or if one person's working at home and another person is working in the office, but what she learned in her research is that physical distance is not the only kind of distance that people experience. And, and so another kind of distance that her research revealed is the distance that's created by processes. So, uh, so processes or, you know, she also refers to it as operational distance. So if it takes me four emails in order to get the thing I need in order to do my job, then that's operational distance. And we want to close that. We want to, you know, maybe just one email could be the thing that would, or, you know, sending an automated request or, you know, something like that in order to enable me to be able to get what I need in order to do my job effectively. So that's process distance or operational distance. And, and the third kind of distance that she uncovered in her research is affinity distance. And so that distance that we experience when we don't feel connected to the people that we work with. And so um, I like alliteration a lot. And so rather than affinity, operational, and physical distance, we've shorthanded it a little bit to people, place, and process. And Mm -hmm. the most interesting piece of her research wasn't just identifying these three different kinds of distance, but what her research showed, and again, we're talking about impact of the distance on productivity and happiness. And what what her research showed is that the, the distance created by 
bad processes or cumbersome processes has double the impact on productivity and happiness that a physical place does. Oh, wow. Heck yeah. And get ready for this one. Okay. So, yeah. So the distance that's created or experienced when there isn't that sense of belonging or that affinity, that people distance, four times more impactful than physical distance. Wow. I know many of us have experienced this, right? And and we've experienced sort of the impact of that. So we've, you know, many of us have been in an office where we feel more connected to a person who works in another city than we might with a person who works down the hall. And so that's, that's sort of that, that affinity or that, that people distance that's created. And so, you know, when we're looking at, uh, when we're looking at remote work, we're looking at hybrid workplaces, we're looking at people working from really anywhere, then, uh, and full credit to uh, my friend and mentor, Roberta Sawatsky, who's also a remote work researcher. But, you know, as people are working from, from anywhere, the, the least of our concerns from a business standpoint, according to the research, is where people are working. <laughs> the, the, the areas that are the most impactful for us to address and for us to attend to if we want productivity and happiness are looking at our processes and any operational distance or friction that may exist. And then looking at that belonging, affinity, interdependence, that sense of you know, I've got Trisha's back and she's got mine. Right. That's so interesting that you put the process actually in front of that that level of affinity. And they're probably, obviously, both very important. How, how do I, as a leader, how do I know where these friction points are? How do I begin to chisel away at, at, at them and make it better for people? Yeah. So um, great question. And uh, what we usually recommend is, um, you know, first of all, just ask, so, so I yeah, um, thought, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, often this people, place and process uh, question, you know, when we, when we talk through for people and just kind of ask, like, I just um, get curious, are you guys experiencing any processes right now, depending on wherever you're like, wherever you're working from, are you experiencing some processes that could be better? So the thing about starting with processes is that when we start with processes, we start engaging people in some pretty safe ways. Mm. So often people okay. hop right into, okay, we need to be vulnerable and I need to know my people and I need to, like, and, and it may be possible depending on, you know, who you are as leader and your style. And it may also be possible, like, you know, if, if the person shows up and is, and is ready to, ready to engage in that more, more personal kind of connection sort of a way. But -hmm. for a lot of people, that's kind of scary. It's a little bit freaky. Like, you know, you're, you're my boss or you're my leader and, and I've never even met you face to face in some situations. And, um, and so starting with, uh, with looking at processes and then starting to tackle some of those processes together can have so many benefits around, First of all, creating a shared experience, what you know that hopefully is building towards a common and, and, and shared vision of things being smoother and better. It's it's a win if you can make that you know take away some of the friction and help people to just you know have better processes. But there's also that chance to just work shoulder to shoulder, and and to accomplish something together. And so often through you know, just sprinting through a, a project, making some sort of process better, 
or identifying a project where where we just want to yeah we want to streamline things a little bit we can have the added benefit of getting to know one another and getting a sense of you know so if we're working on a particular process and we say okay in the next month we're going to tackle this process we're going to build a little prototype we're going to test it and then we're going to iterate it and then we're going to hit the next one then what happens is that we start to get a little more of that face time. There's that energy mm-hmm. of like, you know, we're, we're getting traction. We're doing something that's making a difference. Oh, I love this. This is like leadership gold and it's, you're right. It's safe to do. And yeah. you, I always love the question of how can I make your busy better? Oh, and awesome. so that starts with process. Okay. That's, that's beautiful. What if the, it's the friction is not necessarily a process, but a person. Ooh. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, you know, we can go in a number of different directions on this particular one, as I'm sure you know, and your listeners know. But, you know, sometimes when there's friction, then, you know, so if I'm the leader, and I'm looking at a particular individual who's just, you know, challenging for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. then I think the first step is, can I find some sort of opportunity to maybe get a little bit of empathy? can I find a way to put myself in their shoes? And maybe I've got enough, enough rapport or enough history that I can, you know, talk with them and try and understand what's happening from their perspective. But maybe, maybe I need to, you know, kind of just like test it out a little bit more. So when we're looking at, at identifying empathy, this often is for a reason. People often, you know, maybe creating a little bit of friction because they're frustrated about something. Or, you know, another situation could be, and we've definitely been hearing a lot of this, people are, they're, they're just weary. They're weary mm-hmm. from, you know, they're, maybe they've got a family divided over the vaccine and they've got, you know, a community divided, you know, where, where they're living and, and, you know, maybe navigating some of the complexities of kids in school, kids not in school, like just the changing health orders and, and all sorts of things that we've been experiencing. But, you know, maybe they're just super tired. And, and I, I heard a, someone say once, and I'd give credit if I could remember who said it, but when we're stressed, we de-skill. And so, so if we, I know, good one, huh? See, see that one again? When we're stressed, we de-skill. Wow, that's, that's an interesting point. I know. And point. so when we're like, me under stress is not me at my best. Yeah. And well, I'm not speaking for you, but I'm just thinking for myself. <laughs> So it's all it's all good, but you know when we're when we're seeing someone in a, and especially if if them, you know if the if the friction in the person is is different than we've seen them before, if there's been a change, then you know it's it's a good time to sort of get curious and and to check in. Mm-hmm. So Trisha, you don't seem yourself. Mm-hmm. You okay? Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm and, definitely and, not. Yeah, like finding that <laughs> finding that way to just like you okay? Like, or you don't seem yourself, like, you know, and it just, um, get, finding those, those ways that fit for you as a leader, but, but to, to check in and, and to try and understand why, you know, I'm, I'm such a big fan of, of Daniel Pink, as many are, and also another researcher named Teresa Amabile, and they're experts in looking at motivation. And what we know from their research is that, Autonomy, mastery, purpose, that's Dan Pink, and then progress is Teresa Amabile. What they've really demonstrated clearly is that those four things can be super motivating. And 
when they're not in play, then, or when people aren't experiencing that, then it can often be demotivating. And the, de- the impact of demotivation is far more profound. It's harder to get back when we've got people feeling demotivated, not impossible. But often when we see people that are struggling, then we can sometimes like just put our sleuth hats on and our detective hats on and, and look at one of those four things. So, so are they experiencing autonomy in their role? You know, is there something that they can own? Is there something that were they experiencing some kind of autonomy and it was maybe taken away from them for some reason? That's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. Mastery. Like, is there, is there some way that they're, that they're feeling like, you know, I'm good at this and, and I'm, you know, I'm, I would say I'm maybe the best in, on my team at this or something and not in an arrogant way, but just to, you know, we all want to feel like we're good at something. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's where learning and development can often, you know, help us as well, not just in terms of upskilling people for the sake of of getting better skills, but it can be so motivating to help us feel like we're, we're achieving some mastery, autonomy, mastery, and then purpose. Is what I'm doing making a difference for the greater good? Is it making a difference for the company? Am I making a difference for my team? Am I make, am I making a difference? Am I making a difference? And being able to, and often if people, even if people know that, sometimes they need to hear it. Sometimes they need to hear this thing over here makes a difference for our customers, makes a difference for our clients, makes a difference for the world. And, you know, anytime we can do that, then sometimes we can achieve that a sense of motivation. And and again, if they're not getting that, if there, if there isn't recognition or acknowledgement or, or if they don't see the point in what they're doing then that can be very demotivating and, and can show up as a person who's, what did we say? Uh, the, the friction there, the friction, mm-hmm. frictioned person. <laughs> so, um, and then, and then the fourth one is progress. And so being able to demonstrate, I know, if, you know, or being able to acknowledge sometimes, I know that it feels like Groundhog Day right now, but look at how far we've come and we're three quarters of the way through this project or, you know, just being able to mark the mark time mark progress, show people, you know, look back, celebrate what's, what's happened or take the time to pause and go, okay, it's been a hard six months or it's been a hard 18 months or it's been a hard, whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's, let's pause and just find out like, what did we set out to do? What have we learned? And uh, you know, what do we want this next sprint to look like? I love all of that. Many of the people listening to this podcast are involved in social enterprise, B Corp, um, you know, that side of business, business with profit and purpose. And one of the things I know that we run into with Rocky Leadership is that the, the sense of purpose and the drive to make an impact actually results in some cases burnout because- mm-hmm. That it's just like we can change the world. We, you know, the more effort we put in, the more people we reach, all that kind of stuff. So, what are your recommendations for leaders to set it up for those who are in office and outside of the office to have some like boundaries? Like, wh- what are the simple steps leaders can take and actions they can take to help people to know that yes, what you do really matters and it does make impact, but it's not shouldn't be your entire world. It shouldn't be your, the full identity. There's so much more to life than that. Yeah. I mean, the, the first great question, and I've certainly been there. I have burned out and it was awful. I don't recommend it for anyone. And I'm grateful for the lifelong learnings, you know, that, that come as a result of that. But one of the key pieces is modeling it. 
So, you know, I, I remember seeing my boss, like, you know, just saying, that's Monday's work. It'll still be here on Monday, right? Mm-hmm. And so I needed to see her go home at a reasonable hour. And I needed to hear a little bit of permission to uh, like that, that phrase of that's Monday's work, right? Or sometimes that even more broadly, that sounds like next week's work, this week's work, just helping to chunk, helping to prioritize, helping to, uh, to time box pieces. And also to realize that, like, just what, what piece of things, what piece of changing the world is my part. I felt the weight of the world. I, I felt like if I don't somehow generate like some sort of life-changing, you know, stuff and on some grand scale, then I've, I've failed or I haven't reached my full potential or I hadn't, you know, like there were so many pieces and, and there was a, a mentor of mine who I've just had such, so many amazing mentors in my life, but, you know, she was working on her master's and as part of her master's, she finished her, her really high profile project early and then she ended up finishing out the balance of her project working at a soup kitchen. And because she just, she was in another community, she had extra time. And, and so she just, she was just started volunteering. <laughs> and, and so when I was asking her, like, so, you know, for this amount of time of your life, for the cost of tuition and the time and the everything else, like, you know, what did you learn? And I was thinking she was going to tell me about the amazing stuff that she learned with this world changing project that she got to work on. And, um, it was, it was with the UN. (laughs) And and so I was like, oh my goodness, like you were there. And, and what she said to me was that she, she learned more at the soup kitchen. Oh, geez. And I know, and and what she told me was uh, ultimately what I learned is that change really does happen one person at a time. Oh, and that is true. But then it kind of puts more pressure on you that you then, yeah, your, your time and effort on the ground level is has that much impact and how much I can do more. I, I think there's, I think there's a gap. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's more than one gap. Like, and I'm thinking as I say this, like, Oh, do I really want to pick this one right now? And I think I do. Like I'm, I'm really noticing that the role of leader as mm-hmm. mentor and coach, there just isn't enough of that right now. And I'm noticing the trick is that like what I don't want leaders to hear is, and now I need to do that that too, on top of trying to keep the lights on on the business and on top of like, you know, trying to drive performance or, you know, if they're part of a startup and they're trying to do fundraising or they're trying to like, you know, there's, there's so many pressures and I, I don't mean this as a, as a pressure piece, but, you know, rather than having the answers, like, you know, taking that coach approach with our employees to help them begin to become more resourceful problem solvers. There's a piece of this that I think ties into that sense of like, it's tied to self care because, and it's tied to not burning out because if I'm responsible for, and I'm coached to identify what's most important on my plate or what's going to have the best, most important impact right now for this sprint. And you've heard me use the word sprint a number of times, but, and it's very intentional. Like if I'm able and I'm, and I'm getting some practice and some support in doing that, then those become skills that I start to bring into my life. Hmm. So it kind of cross contaminates between your personal and professional development. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. 
So one question that I have been thinking about as, you know, with the the craziness of the world and COVID and remote working becoming the hot topic that it is, and that so many people are doing hybrid versions of it now as we quote unquote, go get back to work. I don't know how I feel about that. that back term. to the office. Yeah. Back to the office. Yeah. How do we uh, support our people in uh, managing that transition. Because I, I just recently, I'll give you an example. I just recently talked to a client who was invited. She's been working remotely for two years and never needed to go in the office, not once. And now that they are coming out with their new policies for returning to the office, she has to be within 20 minutes of the office. So she can only work from home or before she was working from her multiple places and locations. So this, is, this has a really big impact on her life and lifestyle. And in her mind, she doesn't understand why they're putting these kinds of constraints on. It doesn't make sense to her. And, and so she's, a, you know, from my perspective, a very good worker. She's been with the company for many, many years. She's never had an issue. She puts even more time than she probably should on a daily basis and a weekly, hourly basis. But now she's feeling resentful. And it's causing some serious issues for her. She's actually looking for other work. So it seems to me that maybe this is an operational friction point. How do we help companies to really navigate this? Is there any, like, I know this is a, this could be a, you know, four-hour conversation, yeah. but <laughs> any major tips for companies as they roll out these new policies? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the the first thing I would say is, is uh, I mean, we're, we're asking companies to consider why. And especially if we get, you've probably heard of that, uh, the five whys test, right? I think it was Toyota who, who first sort of invented that. But if we ask why five times, then usually by the fifth time, we can really get to the root of something. So if you're the owner of a company and, and I say to you like, okay, so why are you requiring that people are 20 minutes away from the office? Then you might say, well, because I want people to be able to see one another and I, I love the energy or whatever, right? Like there's, there's some answers that we're hearing sort of over and over again to this. So tell me why, right? And well, because, you know, this is how it's going to help the company. Like, you know, I found we were more productive at that time. So, so tell me why, right? Like if we just keep digging in and, and I don't know why the five whys is sort of the magic number, but often we can get to the root of what people are really, really actually interested in. And, and there's a lot of clues within that in terms of, of trying to understand what's, what's the priority piece. So there, there was a COO that I was talking with who we, we went through this together. And what she was saying is, so, and what it got down to is that she was getting a lot of pressure from the board about using the expensive physical space that they were paying for every single month. That's, that's ultimately what it came down to. The space is sitting here empty and it, it seems like such a shame. So I said mm -hmm. to her, okay, now let's go back to the whys. You know, you're concerned about the place that people are, are working. You know, when, when they're in the same physical place, what are some of the benefits that you would expect to see? And so, you know, if we sort of like spin it around a little bit, and I, I know it, it, it may sound a bit like overkill, but we need, to, we need to understand why, why it is and what the actual benefit is that, that people are, are looking for. And, and, you know, by the end of the conversation, what she said was like, I feel like if everybody was in the office for a full day, once a month, then that would enable us to see one another, to connect, we could bring in a catered lunch for that thing, 
or for that for that time like we could share the meal we could also do a little bit of training we could get an update like and then she started all of a sudden the energy was there but but her whys didn't hold up and mm-hmm. i didn't need to tell her that i just needed to keep asking her why is that helpful yeah i love that i know a lot of people are going to be like okay i'm doing the 5 why test tomorrow <laughs> With my my senior leader or whoever, but I, I think that's powerful. And the idea of bringing food in, of course, is always on top of my list. Okay, how about this? Okay, you have a team of whether it's a small team, maybe a little bit bigger team, I don't know. But you you roll out some policies. How do you balance individual circumstances? Because that's what really is happening right now. There's just everyone's in such different circumstances. How do you balance individual circumstances and having that flexibility and adaptability, and yet still being fair? This is one of the biggest questions I'm getting is how do I be fair in this process as I roll these policies out for remote and hybrid working? Yeah. So this is, this is, this is a big one and it, and it is like, it is the question or it needs to be like one of the biggest questions on, on leaders, uh, you know, radar right now. And, and so, um, so rather than fair, uh, we, we tend to prefer and promote equitable. Okay. And so, um, and so, cause it, mostly cause fair is kind of a loaded word and, and, and people have different senses of, of what's going to be, you know, what, what fair even means. Mm-hmm. And so, so we want to look at equitable. And so, you know, usually from a policy standpoint, we want to, we, we want to consider, um, we want to consider positions first so that we're not, uh, we're not, um, entering in, in, into any risk areas around uh, discrimination or, um, you know, we're not letting biases come in conscious or unconscious. Um, you know, we, we want to consider the, the individual pieces, frankly, uh, secondarily. So the first thing that we want to consider is positions. Now, in order for people to accomplish the work that the business needs them to accomplish, what of their position, what, what of the work is best done um, face-to-face or in an office. Okay. Now, there are some positions that it's crystal clear, like the, the job is custom, you know, physically customer-facing or um, you know, in the case of first responders, right? You can't really do that virtually. So, um, you know, so we need to, first of all, start with positions. You know, frankly, like quite a bit of the job or, or maybe even all of it could be done either co-located or could be done remotely or flexibly, then we can consider scenarios where we might say no to that. So something that, you know, we've seen companies do is that, you know, maybe new employees need to go into the office for the first six months. And because that's important for enculturation, for training, for mentoring, for them learning the ropes and also having some empathy and being, you know, just getting to know there's, there's stuff that, that they need to, you know, there's the caught and taught way of learning. And so, so there's stuff that they just need to catch, like by being around and, and even just overhearing how, how it all works. So yeah, one thing is that we've heard and seen is, you know, new hires uh, needing to go in, although that's obviously not the case. And I'm, I'm not recommending this. I'm just saying what we've seen some companies do. And the second piece uh, that is one that we're seeing with some frequency is around um, if somebody's on a performance improvement plan. So if somebody's not demonstrating that they can work productively, meet their targets, uh, you know, accomplish the work, they're, they're not performing as they need mm-hmm. to, then 
you know, that's, uh, they need to be in the office where there's a higher level of supervision and mentoring and, and just sort of that access. So again, I'm not saying this is right for every single company, but, but that's something that those are sort of the two criteria. Then um, once, you know, we look at, okay, can the work be done from anywhere? Can the work like to, to just accomplish the work, could it be done? And then we begin to look at pieces. Now, one uh, business that, that I know of said anybody can apply and can ask and they ha have created an application process for people to apply to either uh, work full time remotely or to work in a hybrid kind of an arrangement. Now, in terms of the hybrid arrangement, we're seeing different pieces as well. So, you know, some companies are saying like, you know, nobody gets a dedicated desk anymore unless you're full time in the office. And so, you know, we've got some flex desks, hoteling, you know, there's a bunch of different uh, hot, hot desks is another one. Uh, ways that people can sort of book that. Um, other people, at, at one other company I'm aware of, they said, if you're saying hybrid, if you if you want to have, then you need to commit to being in a minimum of a, so many hours a week and you will get a dedicated desk. And so that was around just, you know, some consultation with their occupational health and safety committee as well. So uh, just because of, you know, there's factors related to health and safety that we're all considering right now beyond just the work. And mm -hmm. so if they wanted, so rather than thinking about sanitizing all the desks and, and stuff like that, you can have a dedicated desk, but hybrid looks like this. So those are some pieces there. Now, uh, the other piece that is being factored in, and I'm personally pretty excited about like just the awareness that I'm hearing from a lot of leaders. And that's when, you know, there's, there's accommodations that people are asking for and able to have access two that they maybe didn't before and you know just as we've been interviewing leaders or um so i do these debriefs with leaders i've got it's called the distributed leader profiler and there were a couple of leaders who just said you know with my chronic pain with my you know i, I live with depression and anxiety or you know like there were there were these diagnoses that they had that were never bad enough that they were asking their workplace for accommodations around but what they were experiencing through working from home was that they were more productive because they were in an environment where they could have access to whatever made them whole and healthy. Like they didn't have to brace themselves for, you know, coming into work and, and less sick days because they didn't have to think about, can I do a work day today? Like with my chronic pain or with my, you know, mental illness or with, a number of other scenarios that that uh, people may be experiencing and so even parents people who who have parenting uh, you know, or caregiving responsibilities um you know the ability to just flexibly get their work done but when it makes the most sense for them to sort of you know make it all happen i have a friend who's a data scientist and because she has a busy family and and you know everybody was at home for a while there then what she found was that she was doing her deep work at 4am. And, um, and what she discovered is that actually, she's really good at 4am. <laughs> and she's, <laughs> and she's like, first, not only is her house quiet, but there's like, it, it just, she discovered like that she's, she's sharp at 4am. And so the quality of her work, and, and, and she's just said, like, you know, in the office, I get interrupted all the time. 
like I'm not able to produce the same quality of work in this, it, like in like my my timeliness is up, my accuracy's up, like mistakes are down, like you know this is and she's able to kind of check on things and get you know dinner going in the instant pod and like you know mm-hmm. and 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 stuff like that and and so you know and she often does a little bit just before heading to bed but being able to have that work life integration a little more flexible is um is 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 the ball game for Mm -hmm. a lot of employers and you know what when we talk to employees what what we're hearing most of all is flexible the request for is flexibility so it sounds to me like what is happening and this could be one of the positive parts of the pandemic is helping leaders and companies to get in touch with the reality that flexibility does have ROI in many different ways, different values, and that it's just uh, as important to create structure and parameters and processes in place that help people to access that flexibility. Totally. You nailed it. Wow. Thanks, Candace. (laughs) Yeah, gold star. (laughs) Well, you know, I get excited about this topic because, you know, with many of my clients, I've seen the benefit of this work-life integration. Um, certainly, it's been challenging for many people who are faced without those options. I mean, it's been it's been really hard. But for those where the companies are are willing to evolve and adapt, lots of social enterprise obviously are focused on the people as well. So, um, I think some of these little tidbits you provide are just really helpful tools, right, to put in the tool belt as we navigate all these different. Uh, how do they say it? Navigate these waters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uncharted territory. Yeah, right? Yeah. Craziness but all. But yeah, so I, I really appreciate the tools that you're offering, these little these tidbits. So helpful. I have to ask a personal question. Yeah. How if you don't mind, how did you know you were burnt out? Oh, we're going back there. Huh. I just I just need to know because I feel like some people Ooh. for many of us, we don't we don't know we're burnt out until like later. And yeah, like, why didn't I see? So if you don't mind sharing. I don't mind sharing. And in fact, okay. yeah, you know what? Thank you for asking that because yeah, and, and I, I wouldn't have mentioned it if I if I wasn't, you know, willing to uh to share my story. And and um, you know, for me it was pretty dramatic, not unlike a, a great deal of me. <laughs> but <laughs> um but uh I actually physically collapsed. Oh. Yeah. So uh, one minute I'm standing, the next minute I was on the floor. So that was pretty severe. And it was not my only burnout. You'd think after that. So yeah, like literally my husband helped me to bed. And and so, you know, then I'm thinking like, is it it the physical? Is it like, you know, like all these different things? Nope. It was 100% overwork, exhaustion, dehydration like 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 it was I mean there were some physical things as well because I wasn't Mm -hmm. taking care of myself but yeah I just it was like somebody in the you know one of the boys in the plant just said we're shutting her down (laughs) and all of a sudden I'm down I was down and what I learned through all of that um you know definitely as I said became a lifelong journey but um but the the things that like when I start to one of the things I, I watch for now, and it came from you know the much less severe burnout, but where you know in in that case um, I had somebody say those words to me that I that I said earlier, 
in our conversation, this person said, you're not yourself. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was like, what, what do you mean? Like, and then I was kind of, I was kind of like rude in my response. And as those words popped out of my mouth where I was like, what do you mean? And with kind of a snitty look on my face, then I was like, oh, oh, that's what you mean. <laughs> oh, oh. And so and there it is. And there it is. <laughs> yep. And so, you know, I, I just took like a long weekend to just kind of get my stuff together, just kind of get it together and go, okay, like I need, uh, yeah, this is, I mean, I knew I needed more than a long weekend, but I needed a, the like long weekend to sort of get my plan together. And so my plan includes, and I, and I mean plan, I have a plan. Um, my plan includes, there's a couple key individuals who are on deck for accountability for me. And so they know, and they've agreed to, uh, when I reach out to them and say, you know, I'm, I'm overworking, I'm starting to get near to the edge of the slippery slope is, is the other piece of the, you know, the lingo in, in my mind, but I'm getting close to the edge of the slippery slope. I'm starting to feel it. Then, then they get on deck. And, and they, okay, what's the plan? Like, when are you getting some rest? What time are you shutting down at the end of every day? Like, you know, and, and we, and they help me, they, they come up with a plan. And, and with one of them, I do the same for her. Another thing that I, I really have to watch for is one more thing. So when I start hearing myself, or when I start feeling like, okay, just one more thing, just one more thing, just one more thing. Like, it's like this, like, insidious little thing that starts to play in my head where I like I have to like it's it almost feels compulsive like and 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 I don't mean that to be disrespectful to anyone with you know diagnoses or anything like that but but for me where it's like like I have to (laughs) I have to do one more thing and then the 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 message around that is otherwise I'm gonna let people down I'm I haven't put in enough time good time or I'm not making enough of a difference or you know what if I fail I'm failing people they're gonna be disappointed in me like you know, it, it's like when I start really notice, noticing those things, and, and usually I'm, I'm not as quick to notice, you know, the self-defeating messages and spirals. What I notice more quickly is the, okay, just one more thing. If I can stop myself from one more thing, that one more thing likely will wait till tomorrow. So going back to the, that's tomorrow's work. That's Monday's work. That's right. Mm-hmm. So those pieces, I notice when I start feeling that, then it's time to like, okay, rally the troops. (laughs) We are not doing that. One more thing, actually, because also, like the one more thing is never, it's it's still never enough. Isn't that true, right? We we get into that mindset. So you found ways to like, uh, see your what your normal process is and to kind of halt it by taking some steps. Yeah, those are my red flags. Yeah. Yeah, the red flags. That's a good way. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Good tips there. Accountability partner. I think we all need one of those. Mm -hmm. Now we're kind of getting to the end here. I'm so happy to have all your wisdom on this podcast. I think people can take so many tools from it. Just to close things off, I'd love to ask this question. What advice would you give yourself, let's say 10 years ago, if you could go back in time with, Mm. because you have a very eclectic career path. I do. (laughs) Eclectic in a very great way. What would you say to yourself 10 years ago? What advice would you give? Um, I think I would, ah, 10 years ago, gosh, I think the advice would be like, just like permission to play, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's like, you know, the intensity and the pressure that I, that I 
um, that I that I put on myself, and and it was all real, and it was all kind of in my head too, right? And and so so just like you know, just experiment with play, and you know what I, th- I think I've definitely realized is. Um, is how much more creative I am when I'm getting enough exercise, how much, you know, better I feel when I'm getting like my eyes full of natural light every day, like, you know, and just experiencing nature and, and how much like just that, that diminishing returns principle, right? Like, you know, working more starts to actually diminish what I'm producing. So just Mm -hmm. stop it. (laughs) Go play and have some fun. And so, um, so that's, that's that's the advice. I love it. So any leaders listening, anyone really generally, uh, play more, have some more fun, lighten it up a little bit, right? Heck yeah. And, gosh, we hang can, out we, with Trisha because <laughs> I'm so much fun. Come on, come on. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. Well, Candice, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for your wisdom, your stories, your tools, and your tips. And uh, I just want you to know I appreciate you and I appreciate your time, Trisha. Thank you for making a difference in the world. This world is better because of you in it and how you use your voice. Wow, that means a lot. Passion for Impact is sponsored by the Inspire Store. Need a gift that inspires? Inspire Store features exclusive ethically made goods and jewelry that embodies these three words. Yes, you can. Every purchase supports Food Banks Canada. Plus, you will receive Trisha Miltimore's popular personal development Shift Up e-course. Empowerment awaits you. Shop with impact at inspirestore.org. Thank you for listening. Now, if you love learning how to live and lead in a caring and fulfilling way and you find this show inspiring, please share with your friends, rate and review this podcast. Passion for Impact is brought to you by Rock Your Leadership, a customized module-based leadership training program for social enterprise companies and leaders. We train impact leaders on how to grow success, drive change, and not burn out. Visit passionigniter.ca forward slash rockyourleadership for more details. Thank you for listening to the Passion for Impact podcast. Visit passionigniter.ca forward slash podcast to subscribe for episode notes, links, and special offers from show guests. Cast your vote. Make your impact. One socially conscious choice at a time.